So just how secure are we in our salvation? Well, not only does the Son purchase, but the Holy Spirit keeps, as we're finding out. Next, on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, hi and welcome. This is Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, who returns us to John chapter 10, as well as John chapter 14, a little mini-series called Can a True Believer Ever Be Lost? We would invite you to join us today as we examine God's Word here in the book of John to see what the answer to that question is and why. And then along the way, towards the end of our time together, we'll even take a few questions from our congregation. So stick around. One of them just might be in your mind. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. People often bring up David when he committed adultery and when he had Uriah killed. And when he repents in Psalms 51, he prays, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now remember, he's an Old Testament saint. He saw the Spirit come and go on different people. The Spirit came upon the men who built the uh, tabernacle and got, gave them divine wisdom and skill to build the tabernacle. Um, he came and went upon Samson. Of anybody I wouldn't think I'd want to come upon, it was Samson. He had no moral life. He was a renegade, but God used him to defeat Israel's enemies. But he's not, please don't preach him as a biographical life to emulate. Uh-uh. God just sovereignly came and went. Came and went. He didn't live in uh, Samson. But for us, he lives within us. David had seen the spirit leave Saul when Saul disobeyed. And he saw Saul when demons came upon him, and he'd clap. <laughs> Bring a musician to play away the blues. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling oppressed. Because demons were sent from God's presence to torment him. And in those torment spells, he's throwing javelins. Like an insane man, he chases David all over the Judean wilderness, and one time David said, why do you chase a dead dog? Why do you chase a flea? I want to preach a sermon sometime on chasing fleas. Some people spending all their life chasing the wrong issues. David's not your problem, Saul. You're your problem. You are grieving God, and God is withdrawing his spirit. And David said, oh, Lord, I've sinned greatly. Don't do to me what you did to Saul. God said, I won't, but I want to kill four of your boys. You said to Nathan, the man who took that lamb and killed it should pay back fourfold, and I'm going to make you bury four sons for your sin. You see, sin never pays in good dividends. It always costs. You can't sin without paying a horrendous price. So, uh, he will be with us forever. So the Spirit indwells the believer. Third thing about the Spirit, he baptizes us into the body of Christ. Turn to 1 Corinthians. In the Bible, there are six baptisms. 
Three are dry and three are wet. Every time you see baptism, don't look for water. Three dry baptism. Baptism of fire, John, Matthew 3. There's one coming after me who shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost and in fire. And then fire was judgment, will burn up the chaff. Baptized into Moses, 1 Corinthians 10.1, dry baptism. Uh, spirit baptism is a dry baptism. Baptism meant to be identified with what you were baptized into. Listen to Paul, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in or by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now, Pentecostals and conservatives have differed over the baptism of the spirit. Uh, when I grew up, we understood the baptism of the Spirit to be experiential, to be power, uh, may bring tongues, but it was the sought thing. Uh, I understand that to be more in the realm of Spirit filling. The Spirit baptism that all believers partake of is the baptism that at the moment of faith in Christ, you are immersed into Christ. And he goes on to say, you become a member of his body. Now, I'd ask you, what, what part of the body do you think you are? Now, some of you think you're the head. That's been covered. There's only one head of the church, right? So don't start that high up. At least start from the shoulders down. How many of you think you're the baby toe? Okay, yeah, okay, but you're in. You're in. Doesn't matter. You're in. How many want to give up a baby toe? I don't. The only thing I want to get rid of are the warts. <laughs> if it's a living member, I like to keep it. And 130 times in the New Testament, you are said to put, be put in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, with Christ, co-in Christ, Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. You are a member of the body of Christ. And Christ is the head. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think the head plans to lose any member of his body? Seems logical. You don't want to lose anything in your body. And part the great tragedy of old age is you lose a whole lot you didn't want to lose. But you will. Sight, ability to run, do a lot of things. Um, the Scottish woman said, so that means I'm not only safe in his hand, I'm as safe as his hand. I'm in the body of Christ. I've been immersed by the Spirit. Blink twice if you kind of get it. Okay. So I was immersed into the body of Christ. I'm a member of his body. And so I'm a part of this new creation and so, I just think that the head of the church doesn't plan to lose anything put in him. It's now, he makes you vitally joined to him in life. You know, here's something he said in Romans 6. Don't you know 
that you've been baptized into Christ's death, baptized into his burial, baptized into his resurrection, and you think that could all be undone? Uh, we, we just don't understand our, our, our salvation. In our Timothy class, I handed out the 33 things you get the moment you were saved. Lewis Chafer put it in his third volume of Systematic Theology. 33 things happened to me the moment I believed. That I had to study the Bible for years to find out. Justified, accepted, put in the beloved, on and on. You see, you're more saved than you realize. You, you've got, this is no just taking a glass of water or I was raised on the third pew. Well, you're more likely to miss it than a guy that just introduced to Christ out. He said, look what you get when you come to Jesus. It's, it, you're rich. You're rich. Don't want to be excited. I'll calm down. Um, let's go to 2 Corinthians, the fourth thing. If we have any time, and I'll make time maybe for 10 minutes Q&A and see if we can have an intelligent question. Uh, let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 21. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. How many believers have been anointed? I think so. And I think it's a, a picture of the Spirit. He, he's come and it's considered like an anointing. And who has also put his seal on us and given us his Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Now turn to Ephesians 4.30 that we looked at a while ago. 4.30, he'll repeat this in a way. And stop grieving the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The word seal, if you looked it up in a good uh, Greek dictionary, uh, it was used of uh, marking cattle, marking even slaves. Uh, in Revelation 7, he put the seal of God in the forehead of the 144,000 Jews during the tribulation to protect them from the plagues that were going to be poured out on the earth. So the seal was used to show possession, ownership. It was used to guarantee protection. You, you think it's a remarkable thing that you write that letter, you put it in an envelope, and you put a 48 stamp, and you just bought the protection of the United States government to deliver that piece of mail. 48 cents, and you come under the federal government protection that that will arrive at its destiny, or we will prosecute whoever interrupted it. That's a, that's a whole lot of protection for 48 cents. It's a seal. We guarantee safe Delivered. Now, when God saved you, he had the Holy Spirit. Look at verse chapter 1. Then we'll wrap up. Look at chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 13. In him, in Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory? The moment God sealed you or saved you and you were immersed into Christ, he gave the Holy Spirit to act as a seal himself 
He, he doesn't come and stamp you. He himself is the seal that seals you into Christ. And it goes on to say, he's the down payment or guarantee that there will be a safe delivery and there will be a completion of your salvation. Now, uh, now so look at this. If I could, how could I illustrate this? Uh, I get saved. I'm in Christ. I'm in the Son's hand, John 10, 28. I'm in the Father's hand. And then when I got in Christ, God sent the Holy Spirit says, take and seal him in. Because someday he's going to get lost again. You mean, I got to get out of the Son's hand, out of the Father's hand, and break the seal of the Spirit who is omnipotent to get out. Anybody ever had any home canning? I see you came through the depression. No, I'm sorry, Pam. Uh, my mother canned a lot when we were all at home. Well, I'll tell you, the three older kids, uh, it's a real blessing to be the youngest. I wanted to come from Safeway. They canned a lot. And uh, I still remember those wax seals when my mother made jam and different things. Now, let me tell you some profound truth about the wax seal. Two things. This is brilliant now. I've never seen this in any commentary. It comes right out of my heart. What was in the jar couldn't get out as long as the seal was there. But the ants on the outside couldn't get in if it was sealed. Now, let's follow that picture. I'm in Christ. God says, I'm going to put a wax seal around you, but the wax is my spirit. I'm going to see you don't get out. And I want to see the ants don't get in. I want to guarantee safe delivery. I want to guarantee safe delivery. Why else seal you? Some of you are going to say, well, I know folks who began and stopped. We'll talk about that in the next sermon because I know more than you do. <laughs> I've baptized them. I've made them officers. They've been on the board. Like a friend of mine took over a church up in Oregon, a church of a large church. And when he started going to the board meeting, found out the chairman was in adultery and two other members of the board. And uh, they ran that church. And they told the preacher what to do, how to jump, and how high. This preacher friend of mine happens to be about 6'4". And he's German. He's not intimidated, honey. He told them, I'm not leaving, you're leaving. I'm telling the whole church, on you guys, you resign, or I'm going Sunday night to tell. They resigned, and 500 people followed them. Left him with about 170 people. When I visited him, his, the parsonage was a fort under attack. Every day, somebody sent hate mail, threatened him, threatened this, that. Guess what? Were those men saved? If they don't repent and give evidence, they're going to hell. You can't be in adultery and stay there and be going to heaven. He doesn't seal you into a life of sin. He seals you in Christ to change you forever. <laughs> Guess what? The big exodus 
500 leave, threats on that pastor, threats, threats. Within three years, they were running 1,000 because God got all the leaven and all the sin and all the pus out of the body so it can grow again. Now, I'm going to tell you about Valley. I really could care less how big we get. It's, I want us to stay on the right side of sin. Right side of sin. Jesus said, I'll build my church. He knows what size he wants us to be. If he wants us small or big, it's all up to him. But he doesn't want us in sin. He wants us sealed in him to obey. Anybody got any questions? Are you scared to death to talk? Hey, Larry, help me out. We'll go 10 minutes, and I've placed three people. Now, you watch this. Nobody will ask a question but a woman because the men are afraid to look dumb. Oh, you got a man? Oh, okay. They've got to be intelligent. They've got to relate to the subject. I don't want to tell you your income tax. No, no I'm afraid. Uh, explain the difference between, I think, Christ in us as us. You've heard that expression? Uh, true? Uh, Christ in us what? As us. As us. No? I've never heard that. Okay. So then uh, the Holy Spirit is the only one that's indwelling. Christ all, all three members. All three members. Yeah. Indwelling. Ephesians 4, 6, the Father's in you. Uh, Colossians 1, uh, Colossians 2, 9, he, uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's a, uh, 127, Colossians. So Christ is in you. And then the Spirit's in you. So all three members are in you and all we are in all three members. We're in the Father, we're in the Son, and we're in the Spirit. Now I'm going to know, is anything ever safer? I've got them all on board, and I'm in them. Three members in Dwalia. Another question pertaining to the message. If the believer continues to sin, does the Holy Spirit become angry at them? It, that, the big qualifying phrase is continue. If, they, if by continue, you mean lifelong, let's say. Uh, First John says they're not believers. They're professors because he that's born of God cannot continue to practice sin. First John 3, 9. Why? Because the Father's seed is in them. Now, if they have a section, a period in their life where they fall down, they become ensnared in some sin, let's say weeks, months, the Spirit will grieve. He will never leave them. He'll stay on board to keep them miserable and to keep saying, come back, come back. Uh, he never said to be angry. He, he said to be sorrowful. Isn't that wonderful? Because all the anger of God was taken out at the cross. Now, it's like this. Uh, uh, your parent would say, you'd break my heart if you do that. You'd break my heart. You almost wish they'd get angry. Say, no, 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 I love you too much to get angry. You'll break my heart. We break the heart of the Spirit. And he's there bearing God's, I've done all this for you, and you do me this way. It, it's kind of like uh, Hosea. Come back, honey. I want to buy you off the block. Why did you prove unfaithful to me when I had to buy you 30 pieces of silver? And you see, if, if your sin, if you don't see it as breaking the heart of God, if all you see it is doing is breaking number nine commandment. They did that under the law. That never, God brought, bring it over the New Testament. No, it's not break. I won't tell you what commandment you broke. I'll tell you whose heart you broke. The Son and the Spirit. You're breaking our heart. We didn't save you for this. We didn't save you. So it's much more tender, I think.
someone else. We'll take two more, then we'll stop. I know your roast is cooking. Can we um, blaspheme the Holy Spirit? What's the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit? Okay, Matthew 12, I take blasphemy as a first century sin because Messiah was present and he was doing miracles that they knew Messiah would do. Even the prophets, had they have done what Jesus had done, he said, even if your own sons do it, your own sons, you say God's with them. See, but because you attribute the work of God the Son on the earth in his miracles to Satan, you're committing, Mark 3 said, an eternal kind of sin. I, I grew up, if you make fun of the Holy Spirit or let's say a tongues meeting that I would be in, or if you said that wasn't of God, that's not, watch out, you may blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't think, no, it was God the Son on the earth and attributing his miraculous, undisputable miracles to satanic power. He said, you're committing a sin for which will bring eternal consequences. I take that to be that generation with God the Son before them. Because he says in Romans, you were once blasphemers. Even Paul said, I was once a blasphemer. I blasphemed the faith I now preach, and God saved me. So I don't think there's any eternal sin called blasphemy of the Spirit today. It's amazing how much stuff, hating God, all of this. Then Paul said, I was a blasphemer and a murderer of the church, and God saved me. Made me an apostle of all things. So I don't think it is a sin that's committed today. Thank God. One more question. Sir. Yeah, I thank God that we are sealed in the Holy Spirit when we're born again. And I'm wondering, I've been debating about, in my own mind and heart, is there like a second filling of the Holy Spirit? Uh, there, no. No. There's many. There's many. And, and where do I get that? Ephesians 5.18 is a present tense. Be getting continuously filled by the Spirit. Pentecostals made it a, you get saved here, now you need to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Or you need to get filled. They made a second definite work of grace. And other groups did it. Nazarenes, holiness groups, Wesleyan uh, people. Uh, you, there's another second definite word that they made it. But Ephesians says, I want you to be getting continuously under the control of the Spirit and then when you see Acts, in Acts 2.4, they were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, right? Now, just take a concordance and look up the word filled. Uh, you go over to chapter 5, and they were filled with the Spirit. And you go over to another chapter, and they were filled with the Spirit. Wait, I thought you filled them back here. It's continuous, continuous. It happens many times. And uh, I think it was Chafer that once said, I don't believe in a second definite word. I mean, I believe in many consequent words. I need him to do something every day in me. Every day I need a fresh filling. Life forever in Jesus Christ. 
That's the title of our series here in the book of John. And we trust our time together today has encouraged you in Christ as we work our way through this wonderful gospel. It is our hope and prayer that chapter 20 and verse 31 will come to bear on your own heart and mind, that you understand why John wrote what he wrote for the purpose of believing and having life eternal in Christ. To review a copy of today's program or to obtain the entire series, we would ask you to get in touch with us here at Truth For Today, and there are a couple of ways to do so. You can call us at 855-833-9864, or you can stop by our website, valleybible.org, and take advantage of the resource materials that we have posted there as well. You're also welcome to write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, the zip code 94547. And as always, your gifts make a great difference here at the ministry. No matter how large or how small, your financial contributions to this ministry allow us to continue presenting the gospel here on KFAX. As a TFT sustainer, we would also like to pass along your way a quarterly newsletter along with our once-a-year special gift and access to Take a Break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional that we have. Again, these are all just simple ways of saying thank you for supporting us financially, realizing that this broadcast is presented daily here on KFAX through your financial involvement as well as your prayerful support. One other note as we close out our time together today, we would like to invite you to join us for worship here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. You can find out all of the details and directions at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. We thank you for spending time with us today. As always, it is a pleasure to share God's Word with you. And we look forward to the next time when we can do it again here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Pastor Phil Howard